0: some guy whom I never met before in my life, wasn't Korean, he approached me on the street and he said, hey, blessed child. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that before. Mm-hmm. This, mind you, was only last year, I think. Yeah. And I was like, well, uh, yeah, I'm blessed, but you know, who who, who do, you do you think you're blessing me by, right? <laughs> and he was just like, oh, if you don't you know, you don't know. And I said, why don't you explain to me? And I'll tell you if I know or not. And he said, all right, look, are you from the Unification Church or not? And I was like, no and he says all right then you're not a blessed child i just got confused because all blessed children look like you hey everybody and welcome back to the happy project podcast my name is becky and sitting here on the couch with me is cedric sky and you are in for a treat today because we're gonna delve into some weird, weird stuff. A little bit of history, a little bit of religion, a little bit of speculation, a little bit of conspiracy theory. It's gonna be fun.
1: Ooh. And I hope you
0: guys are ready for the ride. Because I'm not sure I am, to be honest.
1: <laughs> Yo, I'm I'm ready for this. Are man. you? I think Ooh. so.
0: Okay, I'm really excited to know what you dug up on this. So uh well, today we're gonna to be talking about Something that is known as the Unification Church, if you're looking at it from a religious point of view, mm-hmm. or it also has been called uh, the Mooney's Cult. So depending on who you are, you might view it as a, a religious organization or you might view it as a cult. And we're here to kind of break it down a little bit and to bring up a point that may or may not be significant to the Haffey Project. Yeah. Oh, is that a good teaser?
1: It it was.
0: <laughs> I teased people a I'm curious a bit.
1: what that point is.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering for you, mm. did you ever encounter much about the Unification Church?
1: I don't know. I mean, here in Korea, I remember my first year here uh, visiting Seoul. I was living in Daejeon at the time, which is mm-hmm. about an hour, uh, maybe two hours south of Seoul. I was visiting one weekend. I remember getting stopped on the street by, yeah. uh, it was two girls. Yeah. And, you know, I could tell that me and my friends, we were Target because we were foreigners and they were Korean girls, actually, mm-hmm. that spoke English and they were just waiting to like, like just, I don't know, attack is not the right word, but you, they... You they can were, see them
0: watching you. Yeah,
1: they were waiting to approach yeah. and I, you know, I'm naturally just when everyone, when anyone approaches me, um, I naturally have a guard up in terms of like, oh, they're trying to sell me something. I, I usually, I just don't like that. You know what I mean? Personal preference. And so... You know, I was already closed off, but then, you know, they started talking and, you know, they, they didn't bring up any, uh, like anything to do with church or religion. Mm-hmm. They, I, I forget what they were saying, but I remember they were being very friendly yeah. and super smiley and me being a super nice guy. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll <laughs> smile back. Okay, And uh, yeah, after about, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, I'm like, I realized what it was. And so I kind Did of real- broke. What, what was it? Um, well, it was, they were trying to invite us to some sort of gathering. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's all it was. And I was like, ah, oh, we're good. Mm-hmm. And then they were still very pushy, but super friendly. Right. So, uh, from what I remember, we just, uh, just politely said, no, we're cool. Uh-huh. And then we just went and went on our way.
0: Whether or not that's unification church, I don't think you can say up front because yeah. actually... In Korea, and we're not going to get into that topic overall, but Korea um, has been rife with uh, religious outcroppings and odd branches spouting specifically from kind of a weird blend of like Christianity, sometimes Confucianism, sometimes Buddhism, Mm. sometimes just outright nothing that's biblically sound let's put it in that perspective i think um people a lot of religions or 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 cults i'm hesitant to use the word cult because i mean i can't really specifically say myself having not done the research but korea has seemed to have a lot of those kind of like odd one-offs you know and it's recently come into the news some of you might have heard of Shinchanji. Shinchanji was really popular I don't, again, I don't know about popular, let's say infamous, <laughs> at mm-hmm. this point, infamous cult that really caused, um, a, it was a super spreader, basically, of the virus in February, or 28th, was it? 28th. March, February right? 28th. February. So... 26th
1: or 28th, yeah.
0: Korea has kind of this weird history with these shadowy religious groups that yeah. seem to have their fingers in a lot of weird things. Now, the Unification Church is probably the most well-known of those religious outcroppings that have sprouted from korea and maybe some people who are listening to this actually might not realize that it came from korea in the first place Mm -hmm. because it was so prevalent in the united states starting in the 60s and 70s now before we get into that let's kind of just give a basic overview of what is the unification church what do they believe who runs this and um just kind of like unification church 101 Right. And we're going to try to do our best because, in fact, I really had a hard time finding a lot of data on the church. And even today, they still don't know the exact number of members worldwide. Right. I think it's loosely um, monitored, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about what is Unification Church and what have they historically stood for?
1: Sounds good.
0: Okay, do do you, you want to start?
1: I'll, I'll do my best with uh, what I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: going to try hard too because I was bombarded with so much information.
1: Sure. So um, from my understanding, Reverend Moon, who mm-hmm. was the founder and the, uh, I guess, self-proclaimed, I wouldn't say savior per se, but uh, messenger. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Messiah uh, for the religion. Uh, he was born in 1920 mm-hmm. in Korea mm-hmm. and he was born under a different name. Oh really? Uh, from what I yeah, from what I researched, oh, I, I forget what that. the name is. But anyways, we'll go with uh, Reverend Moon. Yeah. And so he was born in 1920, and his parents actually had a religious background or a conversion from Confucianism mm-hmm. to, I believe, Christianity yeah. or an offshoot of Christianity. And at the age of 15, Reverend Moon had an experience with, I believe, it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's different information out there, so uh, I'm trying to stick to very basic probably factual i I believe this is factual so um he had an experience with jesus and after that experience he i guess felt this call to go out and to be a missionary and to unify the world Mm -hmm. uh, and bring world peace and uh, that didn't really translate until probably i don't know a decade or two later uh but he ended up marrying uh his first wife who first wife yeah you didn't know that
0: no wow you really pulled up more info than i well yeah so he
1: he married um he married early on Uh and they actually ended up getting divorced oh okay and you know he speculated to have had a child uh with his first wife but you know it's not confirmed Mm -hmm. so after the the breakup i don't know why they divorced or broke up he ended up marrying his uh second wife who became the true mother mm-hmm. of the religion so it's the one that everyone knows as the true mother who was alongside of him uh for the unification church and she was actually quite young he was mm-hmm. around 40 yeah. by the time he met her and she was uh 17 so he yeah, he's yeah, rocking was that cradle that. right there <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mean robbing the cradle
1: well he was rocking robbing whatever <laughs> yeah so um so at that point they uh started their church and i think they started getting a following by just sort of going out and evangelizing mm-hmm. but then early on they started to really train like church leaders mm-hmm. uh, and i believe uh, a couple of decades after uh, probably in the 60s or 70s he uh, also developed a school Mm-hmm. a training school so i'll i'll sort of stop it there because i don't want to overview yeah i, I don't want to um i don't want to put out information that may not be factual we'll confirmed well,
0: but the thing is I, I think it's really hard to say when it comes to unification church and specifically when it comes to the moon family
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think it's very difficult to nail down Exact facts specifically about the founder's background, which I actually find to be relatively true about self proclaimed messiahs Mm. or religious like gods, because the background might be very common, but they try to hide the facts in the past. And it's very interesting you bring up that first divorce because I actually. Didn't find anything about that, and we're not just trying to get into sordid gossip affairs sure, here, sure. because this is actually very prevalent to what the Moon family, Reverend Moon, preaches, and what is actually central to the Unification Church beliefs. So um, let me again just—I'll just fill in the holes. That was a great overview. So he, Reverend Moon, well, at the time before he was proclaimed reverend he was uh yeah he had this vision when he was very young and Mm -hmm. actually they were still in north korea this was before um the ending of the war or the the armistice so they his family was in north korea at the time actually and so he was started then preaching you know this vision and what he believed was it what he believed he had heard in the vision is that god had not finished his work on earth that jesus actually died and left before he completed his work. What was supposed to be the completion of the work? For Jesus to get married and make a perfect family.
1: Uh, so I guess when he was on the cross and he said it is finished, he didn't really mean that.
0: That's, yeah, I yeah. guess not. <laughs> so gotcha. he was supposed to get married and have a family and that the whole purpose of this religion is uh, to make the, the perfect family. And by doing that, you can have love and, and this true joy in this family that God has created or meant to be on earth. And yeah. so this is how you're supposed to prolificate this perfect family and, by, and then that's the way you're supposed to spread perfect peace sure. by having this perfect uh, sin-free family. So he was uh, excommunicated for heresy for talking about this. And then he was also somehow ended up in a work camp in North Korea for like five years that I Mm -hmm. read in some articles. Mm -hmm. And so he started developing this mindset of anti-communism. And he was even stating things like um, communism were Satan's representatives, like communists. So you can see there's uh, this there's a not clear line between his political views and his religious views. Yeah. So this was this will come into play later on. So while this was happening, he eventually got to South Korea and I believe in the 50s and it was in 1954, they founded the church in Busan. That's where it first began in Busan and it grew and it grew and it grew and then in about the 60s, he started an aggressive campaign to the West. So between the 50s and 60s, yeah. an aggressive missionary campaign to the west, and um, they wanted to implant this idea that he was the Messiah, that he was supposed to do what Jesus did not complete, mm-hmm. which was to get married and have the perfect family. And that is why he's called the True Father. His wife, second wife, called the True Mother, and their children were they were all part of the True Family. Quote There's a, quote, a lot of
1: children family. too.
0: Yes, and so thir- <laughs> I think thirteen kids, right?
1: I there's, think it was, was 14, but oh, maybe really? that could be including the uh-huh. speculative child. I Again, don't know. So yeah, we'll just say 13-ish so, <laughs> children.
0: Big family. And so there's, they were the ones who were supposed to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. And this was supposed to be the ideal. You're supposed to get married. And then your children would be born inside the church, sinless, therefore called blessed children. And then you continue and continue and continue. This is why the marriage ceremonies, that's probably the most identifying factor. Of the unification church are these mass weddings. And that's very important and central to this religion. Mm. Yeah. So when it spread into the West, think about the time era, you know, 1960s and 70s. I mean, what was it like in the U.S. at that time? Everyone was into cults
1: yeah that's when cults were really rising up right um i think it, a lot of it was because of the cultural climate mm-hmm, at the time in the west mm-hmm. especially in, in america yeah um you had just war after war i mean you just couldn't really get a break you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. uh world war ii korean war vietnam. vietnam um and so i think a big part of that is a big part of the the cults rising up is just sort of a uh, maybe a righteous rebellion i guess against the the things that were happening in free the free love concept, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, because there was a lot of a lot of violence, a lot of hatred, a lot of political unrest, mm-hmm. and so I think it was just a natural safe haven for a lot of people to to fall into. Yeah, you know,
0: I think um, I, I, so. I'd read this article about somebody who had left the church, and he was saying, if you think about it, his parents who joined the church in the sixties and seventies, they were actually the radical ones comparatively to the culture at the time the culture at the time was free love you know stick it to the man fight the system Mm. in the machine right and everyone was the parents in the 50s were super ultra conservative but then the 60s kids and 70s kids were like do what you want hippies drugs free love but the people who were trying to find that community that these cults were offering yeah like um that you saw many times but the thing with this church is they were offering that sense of community and that tight bondness that they couldn't find elsewhere without the drugs, without the free mm-hmm. love. And so you could keep, a, quote unquote, your sense of morality while having that sense of community. And so that was kind of the, the drawing factor. So it grew very rapidly in the United States in like the 60s and 70s. And then it was in 1982 when Reverend Moon was um, arrested for mm-hmm. tax evasion yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, this is where um things were then brought to the light Mm -hmm. right what was actually going on inside this perfect family do you want to take
1: it from there uh yeah and uh you know from my understanding the cult following still grew it was still popular mm-hmm. and mass weddings were still happening which was a big part of it Yeah. Uh, but there started to become one there was more I guess publicity or attention on what was going on but mm-hmm. also there was a uh, discrepancy between I guess what some of the people on the outside and even on the inside were seeing versus what they were taught or being brainwashed right, if I can use right. that terminology yeah um, and I don't say that in a judgmental way because I, I can understand from a personal standpoint how mm-hmm. uh, that works when you're in a system where you're being fed constantly one thing, mm-hmm. but you're also seeing maybe something else, but you're you're so, uh, I guess brainwash is the best way but to put it. maybe you're
0: also it. emotionally invested.
1: Emotionally invested, you know? but also you're just constantly getting told this narrative And what you're seeing is contradicting the narrative. But because not only you, but there's so many other people with you, it's easy to just like convince yourself and lie to Mm -hmm. yourself and say, you know what, it's it's, you know, that's not really true. What's going on behind closed doors? Mm -hmm. Because there was a lot of stuff that was happening. Like the true family that's supposed to be the perfect family, they had some issues, especially with some of the kids. Um, and these issues did not reflect what they preached about what it means to be pure holy and even perfect Mm -hmm. you know from that standpoint Mm -hmm. and i don't know if we want to go into that yeah
0: we can just i think mention it sure but that is important to point out um that this was then kind of causing people to recognize Mm -hmm. some discrepancies and like hang on a second this is a bit hypocritical isn't it yeah so you'll notice that when you watch interviews or read articles with ex-cult members that's usually what they say Mostly not that maybe something bad happened to them personally, but just they recognize like what they're preaching. That's not how they're living. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess they couldn't, you know, accept that. And so this became this kind of came to a head, I would say, in the 80s. And then there was this expose by Reverend Moon's daughter-in-law in mm-hmm. 98, I believe, and she just laid all the dirty laundry out there.
1: Yeah, did you actually watch? Uh... I
0: saw her interview. I saw okay. a bit of her interview. Yeah, but yeah I, didn't, I saw it too. I didn't watch too much of it. Very insightful. Yeah, and so this is kind of where you could see uh, the, the church was really suffering quite a lot of bad publicity. Mm-hmm. Something I'd like to point out is that the Unification Church was not just... Just like a regular church. I mean, it was a religious organization for sure, but they definitely dabbled in politics. Mm. They had a lot of close conservative friends. Apparently, they kept personal relationships with every Republican president since Reagan. Oh, wow. I mean, they were yeah. very, very tight. Again, a lot of this is like, is this conspiracy theory or what? Right. But um, this is what I was finding. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah. And even um, during the whole Watergate scandal with President Nixon at the time, mm-hmm. I think what gave the Moonies a very big boost in a positive light for them Mm -hmm. or tipping in their favor was when President Moon openly supported President Nixon Mm -hmm. throughout that whole scandal. Mm -hmm, That's right. And Nixon sort of, you know, he openly thanked Reverend Moon and uh, the church. And so the church was, at that point, I think— Became more politically invested in, you know, mm-hmm. just people and presidents and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, you know, I, who knows what went on behind closed doors when it came to the finances, but I'm sure the the poli- politics and the finances came in hand in hand because, sure. like, you know, Reverend Moon was he was balling. He
0: was rich, <laughs> and this was he a was balling. It's a multi millionaire. I mean, multi million <laughs> empire that yeah. was built on the backs of um, very maybe willing isn't the right word, but just a lot of dedicated people Mm -hmm. who who bought into this belief. And so, yeah, you could see that he was making a lot of money off of this. And of course, the family disregarding anything with religion. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of money and everyone is telling you that you can do what you want and you're perfect, I have no doubt that something can go awry. Very easily there. So we won't go too much into what actually happened with the family. And um, you can look at the expose yourself online. I will mention, of course, whenever you're doing research that is rife with weird conspiracy theories or, you know, people arguing back and forth about what's true or what's not, just uh, be very cautious about the things that you study and read. But now moving on a little bit from that, why did we want to talk about the Unification Church? So today, the Unification Church is still active, and it is actually uh, worldwide. Their hope is to have world unification peace. So as you can imagine, uh, Reverend Moon, before he passed, was very active in having international things happening, international Mm -hmm. federations. He even formed foundations and schools, and it was always international, international, international. We want world peace, world peace. And um, so we mentioned earlier the marriage ceremony. Yeah. Right. Or let's call it the blessing. That's what they call it, the blessing. And this is when Reverend Moon, or supposedly Reverend Moon himself, matched young couples within the church because you want them to be blessed and their children to be sinless. Mm-hmm. Uh, matched young couples t- and said that you they were led by God to be married to each other. And more often than not, and now this is where the speculation comes in. Many of those couples were uh, interracial. It would be an interracial marriage. Yeah. Specifically trying to... And I, I did pull a quote uh, that apparently Reverend Moon had said, but trying to match people from, quote-unquote, enemy countries so that their children would be born with a natural love for both of these countries. Yeah. And this is supposed to lead to world peace.
1: Yeah, I, I could so much see the in the there. most basic elementary logic how that would maybe in a twisted world make sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh yeah that's that's very true and (laughs) i've seen uh you know just looking up videos if you guys have time just look up videos of these mass weddings there's lots of lots of uh footage out there on youtube especially Mm -hmm. um a lot of them are actually from maybe the 90s uh, up to some more recent times
0: 2020 there There's was one, one in, in february oh, february 2020 it happened here in korea in Ka-Pyeong. Oh. Okay. this was right before the shincheonji coronavirus oh. outbreak so actually people were quite nervous and there were thousands of people there Dang. happening at that time yeah yeah so Man, this is that's it's still crazy. happening it's yeah. still very very recent
1: wow yeah well you know maybe you could find footage of that too but um, yeah i it's it's such a huge event and uh, I think up to a certain point, Reverend Moon was picking all of the the matches, but mm-hmm. then, of course, as the uh, as the church grew, mm-hmm. I think uh, parents were involved. I even saw a video, and I shared it with you as well. Yeah, uh, of one of the ceremonies. I believe it probably. I think it took place in um, in the UK mm-hmm. um, as far as the matchmaking. Uh, but anyways, where the the brothers, as they call it, the brothers would line up and there's a room full of them mm-hmm. and they had the opportunity through the leading of God to pick their spouse. Yeah. Which they've never, you know, they've never met their yeah. spouse or it's anything It's just like, like guys that. and
0: girls in a room. Right. And the guys just look at the girls and be like, okay, I pick you.
1: Right, right. Which, according to this person, he said usually it's the female in those contexts that will choose the, the husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not sure. It's just going off of what this guy said. And it was just, it's very interesting because, again, he, he goes to someone who – he's from the UK. He's just a, a white male, and then he picks a person from Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just to echo what you said. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just interesting to see their interaction because they don't know each other. They can barely speak to each other yeah. because of language differences. And that's, that's quite the norm.
0: Apparently, that's very, very common mm-hmm. that people who are matched like this – Often or not, end up with someone who not only have they never met before, um, they don't know their families, but sometimes they don't even speak the same language. Sometimes they don't have a common language um, from totally different countries and backgrounds. And this is so... Again, we're getting into a little bit more speculation because I was trying to find some hard statistics and data that would yeah. say like this many people from this country married, this many people from that. like I, I thought that they would have more data on this, but maybe they do. And it's just not public. And um, but I, I would find many articles, uh, especially in, written in Korean, where they were saying, like, we've got a mixed kid issue going on because of the Unification Church. Mm -hmm. That the Unification Church is matching people from different countries, hoping that their children, you know, will help spread the religion more. Um, But in fact, it kind of puts these kids in a bit of an awkward place. Now again, Total speculation. And I can't really say for fact that this is the hard facts. But when I was looking up articles, there would be titled things like um, a church that encourages mixed race marriages for world peace, or people who talk about their parents and how they're interracial. Now, the odd thing is, you know, as Reverend Moon was trying to promote these interracial marriages and mixed kids,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: his own family was always kept within korean marriages
1: that is interesting right yeah i didn't even think about that i know
0: some i again i'd read this on a comment on one article where was sure. like no they matched him with also a white person but i couldn't find anything and i saw that the media true family was all korean mm-hmm. just pure korean right so it's kind of strange where you see this happening I guess you could call it hypocrisy. And even some white supremacist groups really hated Reverend Moon and the Unification Church for promoting, quote unquote, racial mongrelization. Mm. So if that was also a public outcry, you can kind of see, huh, maybe there really was that interracial marriage is happening at a wide scale in the Unification Church. And if you think about it, if that is true, then the Unification Church is a very interesting Uh, area to study mixed marriages. Sure. On many different levels. Like how do couples who don't speak the same language get on? Is the divorce rate higher? Is it because church or religious factor? Or can people actually overcome these cultural, ethnic language barriers and still be in happy marriages, right? Right. It would be very, very fascinating to know if that kind of information exists, right?
1: Right. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, but the i guess the the question of the day is will it really solve world peace or Mm -hmm. will it really bring a true unification yeah you know um you know i i i get it as far as the idea of it but there's so many factors and i'm just wondering me personally like does it overall do more harm to pair couples and to have these mixed kids born into these sort of relationships Mm -hmm. versus help? Because we did a podcast um, a couple of months back talking about mixed children and will that help? Will it end racism? Yeah, will it end racism? Yeah. And so this is sort of going back to that conversation. But I, I just, I can't help but to wonder if those family situations or dynamics, or just really those kids, if they grow up uh, just more open to other cultures, or are they growing up a little bit more, I don't know, closed off? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. what the end result is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to say
0: it's so it's so layered, you know, because you have like this religious factor happening, Mm -hmm.
1: which is huge, which is their life. That's their life. Yeah.
0: And then also like this mindset of like, I'm a blessed, sinful, sinless child because I was born in in this true relationship. Yeah. So you have like this concept going on, but it was actually something that crossed my mind as well, because I was thinking, I mean, that's quite a lot of pressure to put on your own kid to be like, oh, thanks, you know, for you. These families, these parents from two countries that hate each other, politically speaking, but we were matched together by God to create you. And now you will bring world peace. It's a bit of a burden, honestly, if it's not so explicitly said. Now, I I wanted to bring this little anecdote that happened to me. Mm. I think I may have told you some time ago, but I was actually walking around the streets here in Korea and uh, some guy whom i never met before in my life wasn't korean he approached me on the street and he said hey blessed child and that was the first time i'd ever heard that before Mm -hmm. this mind you was only last year i think yeah and i was like uh, yeah i'm blessed but (laughs) who do you think you're blessing me by right and he was just like oh if you don't know you don't know And i said why don't you explain to me and i'll tell you if i know or not and he said all right look are you from the unification church or not and i was like no and he says all right then you're not a blessed child i just got confused because all blessed children look like you
1: yeah and i, mean, I would have a, got offended
0: that was an odd statement <laughs> to make don't yeah. you think it's a, a little strange thing to say oh, yeah like to course. come across someone who's mixed korean like he said he knew i was mixed korean right away
1: mm-hmm. but
0: it wasn't that hey you're mixed korean the first thing that he associated was you're a kid in the moonies
1: yeah which you're is a product a, it's, of it's a very
0: strange yeah. correlation and so um, that really had me thinking how common it must be to immediately associate sure. mixed Korean to unification church kid.
1: Right. And I wonder how many mixed Koreans here in Korea are actually, uh, you know, in the church or mm-hmm. at least their parents were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe we'd never know it because maybe they're not as open or, or not active. Right. Or not active. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: because you never really know you know what someone's background is obviously and if there's anything that we promote on this podcast is don't ever judge a person simply by how they look we right. really really promote that and so this is again just another example but it is something that i would be curious to know i really wish i had stats on this you know data hard data that was saying like actually yes this percentage of mixed Koreans in korea are byproduct of mm-hmm. unification church relationships i'm sure. i'm genuinely curious and i think it's inevitable that that would be if, if it's a church that started in Korea and then went to the West and also in like 100 other countries, I believe, around the world. Again, the numbers are wobbly, but it's very prevalent in other countries. And depending on where you ask, you also find um, that the Unification Church had poured a lot of money or built hotels or locations, factories, and other parts of the world. And so the influence would also be there. Right. And if it's primarily from Korea it would make perfect sense that there would be a lot of mixed Korean kids due to the Unification Church.
1: Right. Yeah. I I mean, there has to be, there, there's there got to be people who actually have taken the time to really study and to curate statistics to the best of their ability. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, there was this one guy who, and I forget the name, maybe uh, the person that you mentioned in the beginning is the same person. I'm not sure. But he's a uh, he's an ex-Unification Church member, mm-hmm. Um he was only in it for two years when he was like 19, 20, 21-ish, and he got out, but he devoted his life to studying cults, mm-hmm. and uh, of course the Unification Church being one of his main focuses. And so I'm wondering if like someone like that would have some of the, I guess, information that sure. we would like to Find yeah. out.
0: I mean, if you are a previous member, let's say, or maybe you're a current member and you just want to share with us some more information, or if you have done some study on this, because I know some people specifically study and research cults, um, we would love to hear from you. I yeah. think this would be a very interesting, maybe something to further ask about yeah but um there was one article because like i said i was i was really looking hard for something reliable um not just this is what happened to my parents and so therefore this is what happens to everyone's parents i didn't want something like that though i admit that those stories and experiences certainly have value but i was trying to find some um research or study and again depending on if you search in english or search in korean the results are vastly different mm. if i look in english I cannot find anything that says Mixed Korean Kids, Unification Church, anything along those taglines. But if you search it in Korean, like 혼혈, 동일, Kyue, right away it will come up. Very, very fascinating. But I did find one article in English, and this is from Yonsei University. They um, released this article in 2012. It's called At the Cross-Section of Gender and Nation, Japanese Wives of the Unification Church in South Korea. And uh, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but in short, they had researched... And and kind of uh, kept track of the women coming from Japan into Korea to get married to Korean men Mm -hmm. within the unification church and recognizing the discrepancy between how the women were treated versus how the Korean men were treated. And so they said it was like a, a hugely high percentage of Japanese immigrant women were within the church as opposed to from other neighboring nations. Okay. So some of them would come because of immigration. Some people would come because of school. But primarily from Japan, these women were coming from the church. Mm. I don't know exactly how that connection happens. And the article does go into more of that. And so then they were saying how the um, Japanese women were required to do extensive language courses, learn how to cook Korean food and have to take classes on culture and and ritual, all these things, kind of packaging and training them to be okay with living in Korea. Right. When the Korean men, the husbands, and this is through the church, were required to take a three-day course about Japanese culture and etiquette. Right. Not even language or food or anything. So already you can see there's a big power disbalance between the Japanese women coming from the church to Korea to have Korean husbands being required to study and learn and train. And it's nothing professional. There's no vocational training. It's primarily just how do I please my husband and navigate this culture okay? Mm -hmm. That's, That's really what it is. And this article raises the point saying they think it's because the church, which is Korean, in a way, it's trying to show, look how we now subjugate yeah, Japan that's what I was to thinking. Korea, which is, again, it, this is somebody's hypothesis. Right. But it is interesting how that information backs it up. Mm-hmm. So this is what I mean by, yes, it is a religious organization, but it's really flirting with politics here.
1: Sure. Yeah, with the main focus being Japan because of obviously the Japan Korean relations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wonder if that's more of a that's more of a sex thing, you know, between male and female, mm-hmm. or if it's more focused with the Japanese women. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I mean, there are still like I, I I saw somewhere that at one of the mass weddings there were over a hundred different nations represented Mm -hmm, of people mm -hmm. getting married and these are korean men marrying women of you know from Mm -hmm. everywhere Mm -hmm. so i'm just you know that's an interesting article because obviously they they put a spotlight on the japanese Mm -hmm. women coming Mm -hmm. here and they have you know?
0: They do have data and stats and percentages. Exactly. So that's very, very fascinating. So I'm
1: wondering if it's similar for other women in other countries. Or I if wonder it's different. too. Mm-hmm. And I
0: wonder if maybe the reason they don't have so much information on that is because it's just not such a big thing. Because, of course, Japan is right next to Korea. And naturally, there's a lot of tension historically and politically speaking. And so if the church wanted, maybe that was their motive. Then it would make sense that there'd be bigger numbers of um, connection between Japanese and mm-hmm. Korean people in the context of marriages. And so then they would have more numbers as in other countries. I guess it just wouldn't be as often. Sure. You know, uh, so this is actually something the Happy Project has not yet delved into. Korean-Japanese relationships mm-hmm. and um, kids who have a Korean or Japanese and Japanese parent. And I'm very interested in learning that dynamic because I think it's very um, complex or maybe layered or it can be if we look at it in a big societal scope. And so this just brought up a whole nother concept that I hadn't thought about before researching the Unification Church. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to add on this?
1: Man, as always, (laughs) there's always (laughs) so much because when we get to talking, it's like, okay, now I'm thinking of this and, you know, but I think that's a good, it well, it's anything. a good stopping place, I guess, yeah. because, um, with the focus of being the, the weddings and the product of the weddings and the mixed kids, I mm-hmm. think, um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. I think.
0: Cause we're not cult experts. We're not no, experts on this church either.
1: No. Um, uh, though I've had an interest in it because mm-hmm. of my personal background, I wasn't in, in a cult or anything like that, but, um, you know, I've had some experiences that, had a leaning that way Mm -hmm. um i i think it would be good to see if there's more information that we can dig up over time and then maybe do a follow-up
0: sure i think this is actually um if our speculation is correct this is our hypothesis that we're throwing out there that a lot of mixed kids were a result from the unification church. This is the hypothesis we're tossing mm-hmm. out there. All right. And if you think you can back that up, or maybe you have personal experience or you're some expert or scholar when it comes to unification church, we would really love to hear from you. And maybe we can follow up with that depending on the listener mail we get and uh, see if we can have another episode on this. But for now, we're going to wrap it up and leave it here. So thank you for joining this was such a weird one, wasn't it? It was so interesting, but yeah, like a little different. We're getting into the shadows, you know. That was. This is fun.
1: Yeah. I agree
0: well that's all we have today guys Uh, I will say for the next episode I have an email from George I hope you guys haven't forgotten George and if you have any messages you'd like to send him you can always email us at thehaffyproject at gmail.com remember to subscribe to this podcast and if you guys have the time just leave a little review you know especially on Apple I think if it's on Apple podcasts primarily and then Google podcasts if you can leave like a a star parentheses five star review (laughs) and you can leave um a nice review or you know what you can She's leave so a mean modest. review too She's whatever so just, you can- <laughs> just
1: five stars no choice and then write some good stuff
0: yeah that'd be great uh i'd appreciate that <laughs> so much and yeah you can tune in to us anywhere you get your podcasts all right that's all we have we'll see you guys next time thanks for listening we are the happy project